Welcome to Five Dubs by MDDC Press. I'm your host, Rebecca Snyder, the Executive Director of the Maryland, Delaware, and DC Press Association, which represents news media in our region. Five Dubs focuses on the who, what, when, where, and why of local news media. We'll talk with the journalists about the stories behind the news. You can find more information about our guests in the show notes or on our website, www.5-dubs.com. Welcome to Five Dubs. I'm Rebecca Snyder, uh, Executive Director of the Maryland Delaware DC Press Association. And today we have Josh Davidsberg, who is the, um, I feel like, maybe not world famous yet, but pretty locally famous <laughs> director and producer, um, having done several documentaries in our area and wearing another hat. He's also the senior lecturer, a senior lecturer at the Philip Merrill College of Journalism at the University of Maryland. Um, and I think you're a, gra- a Maryland grad, aren't you? I am. I graduated okay. and I'm teaching a class that, that I uh, took when I was in school. And uh, it's, it's pretty amazing to be back. Teaching. Actually, that is so full circle. I love it. Really that. is, yeah. It's it's weird having uh, people who taught you in offices around you uh, being cool. back, um, but it's awesome. It's amazing. I love teaching there. Well, and it's such a collegial um, group, you know. And Lucy Douglas is the the former dean. She she just left at the end of June, um, but I think she created an environment that's just so focused on the on the students and making journalism um, more impactful and more relevant and has really just, it. I think it's a, a terrific opportunity to sort of be in a world that's, that's so forward looking. Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, she did an incredible job over her tenure. Uh, and now looking forward, we got uh, a great new Dean and I'm really excited for the future too. Oh, absolutely. And so now we're going to talk a little bit about the future in a different context because you are the director and producer for a documentary that's filming now about the Baltimore banner. And for those um, of our listeners who don't know, the Baltimore banner has kind of set itself up in in some ways. It's like the future of journalism. It's a nonprofit. It's um, deeply funded by um, Stuart Bainham in, uh, in, in Maryland and um, is and has its sights set pretty high in terms it's, of what it's going to do with journalism. So yeah, talking tell to us experts, about well, talking to experts, it's amazing. <laughs> There's nothing in the world like what the banner is doing right now. The fact that it's both nonprofit, uh, how well it's funded, and local, like those kind of three things combined. There's no one else in the world doing what what they're doing, and uh, newspapers across the country are kind of looking to them to see if this this will work. Um, so that. Initially, what drew me to this idea is I always wanted to make a documentary about journalism. My dad Mm -hmm. was a journalist. My wife is a journalist. I'm a journalist. Uh, Journalism is really important to me. And I don't think the average public knows what goes on in a newsroom and what it takes to get a story done. And when it comes to, I guess they're not newspaper writers anymore, but, um, you know, print or digital or multi-platform, whatever you want to call them, the passion that they have for the truth to their sources, to getting the story right. Um, I don't think the public understands that. And I mean, Absolutely. I understand that my documentary is not going to fix that, but hopefully it'll make a little bit of a dent and kind of show uh, how the how the sausage is made in the best best kind of way. Sure. Um, 
I kind well, of I think it's so it's so interesting with journalists. Like they are some of the most idealistic people I've ever met. It's incredible. With really hard crusts sometimes, um, and and they care about the communities they live in, um, and and it's just and I don't think the general public and I think there's a study about this somewhere where you know very few Americans actually know a journalist. Right. And so this maybe kind of is opening that window, a little pathway into getting to know some of some really fantastic journalists, um, because the banner has has um, hired a lot of really significant talent in our area. Well, and uh, that was the spark that told me, like, I have to do this documentary. If I want to do a documentary about journalism, I saw that press release a year ago where they hired Tim Prudente, Justin Fenton and Liz Bowie. And mm -hmm. I was like, this is the time to do it if I'm going to do it. So I reached out to uh, the banner and I pitched them about a year ago. And it, at first, um, you know, with launching, they had a lot going on. They didn't have mm -hmm. the capacity to have a documentary crew in their newsroom. Um, but I kept up with them. And then about six months later, they said, come on in. And I worked stuff out with their lawyers. And that took a few months. And finally, sure. we got in and started filming uh, uh, about a month ago, we started about a month ago, and they have just opened the doors to us. Like the access that they've given us is more than I could ask for. Um, I, I hope uh, it'll. I hope my vision comes together, and it'll just be this kind of incredible look into uh, that organization. You know, I'm kind of looking this in like twofold, right? Uh, there's the process of journalism, which will kind of be like the exciting stuff about like getting a story done and the reporting and what goes into it, um, maybe focusing on some investigations and the mayoral race is coming up too. Right. So I kind of have that thread going. And then on the other hand, um, just will this work? I mean, they've let me into some meetings that um, kind of show the process of where they're growing. And um, uh, that's another thread that I'm going to follow, like this experiment of journalism in the nonprofit world in Baltimore, right? Baltimore is a huge part of this as well. Like, will this work in this city? And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, what do other newspapers have to do to make that, that, um, that system work for them as well? Right. Cause I think, you know, within the, uh, MDDC membership, there is no, I don't think, I don't think that there's any online only publication that is not a nonprofit. And so making the revenues work um, without that huge influx of nonprofit cash, that's a, you know, that's a big question mark. Um, right. So like when you come into a, you've talked about some of the threads that are going to weave through and I love the ambition and uh, the themes that are running through there. But did you, in that initial pitch, were you like, Baltimore's spicy. It's always going to have amazing news stories. Like, did you know those themes in your pitch? Yeah. I mean, so I grew up right outside of Baltimore. My dad was a reporter in Baltimore. I reported in Baltimore. Um, I love the city. Uh, and it's got quirks. It's got problems and character, right? Um, so I knew that Baltimore was going to be a character in the city. Um, I put together like a whole pitch deck, uh, a war shirt and tie and a suit and went in and yeah. like pitched like a like I was pitching at a pitch fest right um and I definitely I had a frame in there that uh was all about the city of Baltimore and you know I think it's important people outside of Maryland when they think of Baltimore they think of the wire right and mm -hmm. that is not the city I mean that's part of the city um but that's not the whole city that's not the whole character that's not everybody there there's a huge vibrant art scene in Baltimore 
Um, it's uh, an incredible city with incredible people. And I, I, I want to show that as well. Um, I was part of a documentary fellowship for another documentary that I'm working on. And almost every pitch kind of had that, that same idea that they wanted to show more than, than just the wire. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's important. It is because it's a, it is a really diverse city in many respects and there's a lot going on, but the wire has been, you know, like the, the story for a long time. And sometimes Baltimore doesn't do itself any favors in that, um, in that respect as well. But right, right. that's a whole different podcast. We'll, yeah, get, we'll get to that later. <laughs> um, so when you're, tell me a little bit about the process. So you're, you're going in and you're filming and you have sort of all, do you choose what you're, what you're focusing on, I feel like you just have a lot of footage in a way that it's, I can't comprehend. Right. So right now I kind of feel like I'm working a beat. Like the banner is my beat. And I am, in addition to starting to film, I'm getting coffee with reporters. I'm trying to meet with the reporters. I'm meeting with editors and stuff, trying to figure out which storylines I'm going to follow. And mm-hmm. my goal is to kind of, um, without spreading myself too thin and not losing focus, kind of like, go scattershot as I can in the beginning and then start to kind of focus as, as we go. Um, I plan to probably follow um, maybe six or seven reporters for this year um, in and out of stories that they're doing. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, some maybe like an investigation uh, a little more focused than maybe like a columnist go out on a bunch of different stories. Um, Right now it's kind of trying to stay organized and focused while getting as much as I can at the same time and like making them feel comfortable with me too. Um, you know, I want, I want to melt into the background basically. And the only way to do that is if I meet with them without the camera and you know, it, it's exactly like working a beat. Um, well, and that's what I wanted to ask you because in some ways, you know, like uh, uh, you are, you're bringing your training as a journalist. You're applying a journalistic lens to this project. Is that the way documentaries normally come about? And like, how do you think your training as a journalist is really serving you uh, so, in this kind yeah. of world? Uh, I love this question because it's something that we talk about. I talk about in class because uh, there is there's a real divide in documentary filmmakers: those who consider themselves journalists and those who consider themselves filmmakers. I'm mm-hmm. definitely on the journalism side. I also consider myself a, a filmmaker too, but I, I think, you know, when it when it comes to ethics and an ethical guideline, you know, the SPJ code of ethics is something that I follow. Not all documentary filmmakers will follow a code of ethics. Um, some of them uh, just want the most interesting story, right? Sure. Um, which I need too, but at the same time, uh, I consider myself a journalist first and a filmmaker second. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's something that I think about and I talk about a lot with my students is how do you, how do you keep those ethical boundaries when you're working on something so long-term Right. You're, like you're becoming friends. You're, exactly. you're drawing people in and I, and it can be, you know, in, in many respects, it, it's the similar challenge to a journalist who's developing their beat, you know, like you're, you want to be collegial. You want those people to call you, but you also may find yourself needing to report unpleasant things about those very sources. So um, not that you're trying to do a gotcha situation with anyone, but 
Um, I wanted to go back because some of our listeners might not be aware of the SPJ Code of Ethics. And I sure. feel like there's always a really great opportunity. And one of the reasons we did this podcast is to kind of shine a light onto how journalism happens. Um, and so talk a little bit about that, those ethics. And it's, it's kind of like a 10 point, um, 10 point document on like, these are, this is my code of conduct for journalism. And it's actually written into the uh, MDDC uh, bylaws. We use that, like, that's what it means to be a news organization to us. You have to abide by those codes. Right. So tell us, tell our listeners more. I mean, it's, it's what separates journalists from bloggers, basically, or somebody who um, just kind of goes out and puts the information out. It's a way to process reporting in an ethical way that um, you're doing the best for, uh, for your readers, your sources, for um, uh, the industry. You know, it includes stuff like, you know, not taking, I don't, I don't remember the exact wording, but like not taking free stuff when you go to a shoot or, um, you know, uh, minimize like harm. Like getting more than one source, I think. Right, is, getting is more than one source and telling the story as fairly as possible. Um, it's, it, it's just basically, you know, it, it's kind of like a black and white list of, of things to do when you're out reporting to uh, treat the story and your sources and your readers in the most fair fashion. And you kind of take that list, internalize it and figure out what works for your, your story because everything's not in black and white. But at the same time, um, it's like a good starting point and good guidelines to follow uh, when you're reporting. Yeah, absolutely. And so also like with the documentary, I'm just kind of interested in this, this play between journalism and, and documentarians. Um, you know, you are sharing a story and sort of a lot of times in films, like there's a neat end, like there's a, okay, and this is, this is the result. This is, did it work? Did it not? And how do you, um, in, in journalism, oftentimes you're like bringing this real and you're saying, okay, here's all the inputs and here's what creates the problems, but you're not offering a solution necessarily. Um, you may personally feel like this should be that way or whatnot, right. but you're letting the reader kind of take action. Like how is, how is the end result a right. little bit different in those contexts? Well, and that's where like that gray area comes into play, right? Because um, you still have to edit, editing happens with any documentary, any TV news story, it happens in every, any written story too. But when, when you're working on something and you've got thousands of hours of footage, right? Sure. I almost have, at this point, we've only been filming a month and I've got uh, like 300 terabytes uh, or 300 gigabytes of, is that right? I've got like three terabytes of footage right now. Wow. Uh, almost filled up a four terabyte drive just within this first month, right? Um, obviously like the end result is not going to be that long. I have to cut and I have to edit and you have to make ethical decisions of what you're going to cut out, what you're not, while at the same time weighing the storytelling too. I mm -hmm. kind of, uh, equate documentary journalism to like new journalism of like the seventies, like the writers, like Gay Talese and Tom Wolfe and, and like them, where they're taking literary techniques and applying them to journalism documentary filmmakers are taking cinematic techniques and those type of storytelling techniques and applying them to, to journalism. Mm. So, and you know, it doesn't fit into those ethical guidelines, like, a you know, it's, it's like a square peg in a round hole, but you still have to 
kind of ingest those those guidelines and figure out what works for you and um you know how closely you're going to adhere to it while at the same time balancing the storytelling well, and in some ways, it's it's sort of like how everyone balances their biases in reporting exactly. anyway. Right. You know, like you have to, and and it just sparked in my mind that like eight hour documentary that came out about the Beatles when they were doing their sessions. My husband made me watch a lot of it, and it was <laughs> I, I got through it. Um, but it was really interesting to think, well, a that someone would like be going through. 24, you know, 48 days of footage and distilling it down just, just to the eight hours. Um, but, you know, you're trying to tell a story. And so you're naturally going to be bringing things out or, or letting things fade into, into the background. And as a journalist, you have to be comfortable with, okay, this is, this is the most objective depiction that um, still tells a story that I can create. Is that, right. that kind of? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, when you're spending that much time with a source and that much time with a story, those biases become even more important to be aware of. And, um, you know, that's why you, you try and create a diverse team around you, um, that can bring different, different, uh, views and different life experiences into, into the shooting and the editing process. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, one of the things about a documentary is, um, Generally, the way it works, if you're able to raise some money, is you hire an editor. And okay. the editor brings a huge uh, viewpoint to your story because that's where the story really comes into play. I mean, as the director and the producer, I'm shooting the whole thing. Uh, and, you know, I decide what gets filmed. But then the editor, um, even though they don't have final say, the director has final say, they're the ones putting the puzzle pieces together. And if you can afford to bring someone else on as an editor, you're kind of handing off the footage with notes and stuff, but they take their vision of what you've, you shot and put it together that way. So that's another way to kind of like infuse um, uh, like diverse thoughts into your, into your documentary. So who's on your team? Cause you know, I, I do have a little bit of a vision of you just going down to the basement and being like, here's my, you know, years of footage <laughs> and I'm distilling it down. Um, but who's, uh, Tell me about the team and sort of what, uh, how, how the mechanics of that kind of sure. come together. Um, so uh, this is my project. I'm the director, the producer. I'm there most of the time. I've got um, two colleagues that have come on as producers with me and cinematographers. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Elena Delfino, she was a award-winning photojournalist, worked at Fox 45 in Baltimore, worked uh, for Tegna nationally in their... Um, one of their national units, um, amazing cinematographer. She's also a teacher now at Merrill. And then I uh, brought on um, another colleague who um, he is a professor at Merrill, also filmmaker, uh, amazing cinematographer, um, Krishna uh, Vasudevan. He's uh, in incredible, um, has done other documentaries in the past, um, and then we have a um, kind of co-producer, production assistant, um, a film student from Morgan who's mm. helping us out as well. Oh, that's um, great. Yeah. So, it is, yeah. so it's a team. That sounds really terrific. It is. Um, my goal is to only have at most two people in the newsroom at a time because we don't want to overwhelm the newsroom. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, during the big interviews, we're all there and we're all in the planning process. And if I'm if I can't be there, one of them will be there and... Uh, mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's, it's been great. Um, they've been fantastic to bounce ideas off of and, um, yeah, it's been great. 
Well, and, and so it just strikes me like your previous documentary that I'm aware of, you, you did um, a really like on the, the drag scene in DC. And I, I'm not recalling the name of that documentary, but um, in terms of your subjects being comfortable on camera, I think it's a far cry from, <laughs> you know, the drag queen right. of DC yeah. and, you know, a journalist who maybe is traditionally a, a legacy print journalist and their face is not out there, you know? Right. I, have you had any, um, like, have you had to counsel anybody on how, how they... <laughs> yeah. I, How I they think feel comfortable on screen? They're a little more concerned about uh, me like scooping them, which wouldn't happen because my documentary is <laughs> going to come out you know, right. a the, year the after. That documentary is a little bit longer, I guess. Right. Um, that has been kind of the main concern. Um, but once I kind of get them over those fears, uh, they've actually been incredibly open. And um, just a funny, quick story about uh, Queen of the Capitol and uh, Muffy. So at every film festival... Uh, someone would ask, you know, what was it like having a film crew follow you around? And her answer was, I'm a drag queen. It was like paparazzi, like my own yeah. personal paparazzi. <laughs> um, and, you know, uh, uh, that was a little different, too, because I was just following, even though she was a part of this group, like she was the main subject and I was just following her. And it was very, very focused. I also had the world's most organized drag queen. She was almost like a producer. Like she was like, so nice. you need to be here, 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 here. Um, with... Someone knows how to message their brand. That's <laughs> Absolutely. <perfect. laughs> yeah. With the, with the banner, it's been a little different um, just because I am not the most important thing in their world at the time. So, mm -hmm. um, uh, but they've been incredibly open on both the journalism side and the reporters and then also management has been like incredibly open and letting me into meetings where they're discussing the future of the business and like what's working and what's not working. And, um, it's been, it's been incredible. Uh, I couldn't be happier with the transparency that they're, they're giving me. And, um, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's I'm fantastic. really excited. So when, when will this all be finished? I mean, I feel like this is a next year proposition, right? It's, uh, it's a little bit longer than that. We're going to follow the banner for a year because we want to stay through the oh, end I of see. the mayoral race. We have a memorandum of understanding that we sign with them for a full year. Um, and then we'll go into post-production and depending on how much money we raise, then, um, hopefully, uh, we'll be able to hire an editor and that'll take, you know, they say it's, uh, one month per 10 minutes of, of story. So eight, eight months. Yeah. We're looking for an 80 minute, you know, some 80, 90 minutes of full, full feature, but not something too, too long. Mm -hmm. Well, I can't wait to showcase it um, uh, next time. And, and maybe the press association can help with the screening. That would be Absolutely. terrific. Absolutely, I would love that. Yeah. yeah, that would be a lot of fun. So do you have any other projects? As as we wind down, I would I could talk to you forever. But um, as we wind down, do you have other projects in the mix or what's next for you? Yeah, I've got a documentary that I've been working on for, um, I guess it'd be three or four years at this point. That It's kind of a much slower process. Um, mm -hmm. We're following a Baltimore ballerina. Um, she spent her whole life studying male ballet technique. And then in her senior year of high school, transitioned male to female. And um, now she's basically starting all over again, learning the male technique because ballet is such a, a binary art form. So mm -hmm. she has to basically start from the bottom and kind of work her way back up and she's going through college and all that kind of stuff. And um, oh, that sounds fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's been pretty incredible. So now I, 
did you fall into that that topic? I mean, you have now two documentaries that are dealing kind of with gender and self-determination and then you it have was, journalism. Yeah. So um so we started off, we were following a group of Baltimore boys who were studying to become ballet dancers. And they all went to the Peabody Prep Program, which is one mm -hmm. of the oldest prep programs in the country for ballet. Um, and one of them kind of emerged as our star and uh, was kind of going to be uh, the main, main person in the story. And then senior year kind of dropped this bomb that she was transitioning and we kind of shifted the whole idea with her to follow her um, and kind of went through like the college process and kind of following her still as she's kind of figuring out life. And um, I'm working with a photojournalist from WBAL on, on that mm -hmm. one. Um, uh, so uh, I've got um, a pretty good team on that one as well. I'm pretty excited. That sounds about amazing. That. Uh, but that one's, that one's, far off. We, she just started college. She's got to, you know, we're going to, we'd like to follow her through school until she gets to a professional, mm -hmm. uh, professional company. That, that would be our goal. Well, and I love this idea of kind of letting the story tell itself. So that continuous revelation of, you know, you don't know, you didn't start out, you know, uh, profiling that group of boys that the story would take this turn. You just, once you're there, you don't know the answer. And I think that's a very journalistic trait to kind you of bring have to in pivot. as well. Yeah, you have to, if it, even if it means our, our original goal was we would follow these boys for a year <clears> and then we'd be done production and going to post-production. And uh, that, you know, halfway through everything changed. And um, so it turned from a, a two-year project to a multi-year project <laughs> and uh, still just as exciting and, you know, a little bit longer, but, um, but I think just as an important a story. Well, I can't wait to see that one as well. So Josh, thank you so much for joining us today. This was Thanks, terrific. Rebecca. We'll have you back when, um, you know, maybe even before the, uh, the documentary drops, but I thank you for your time today. Anytime. Thanks for listening to five dubs with Rebecca Snyder. Please subscribe and leave us a five-star review wherever you download your podcasts so that others can find us. What do you want to know about local journalism? Email me at rsnyder, S-N-Y-D-E-R, at mddcpress.com. Interested in supporting our podcast and journalism? Please donate to our 501c3 Press Foundation. Find out more and see the full episode list and show notes at www.5-dubs.com.